Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Post Rider's flagship podcast, The Pony Express. As always, I'm your editor-in-chief, Michael Vito, and I'm joined by President Lars Emerson. It's still CEO. CEO Lars Emerson. <laughs> or it's <Damn> CEO it. <laughs> now. Whatever. And contributor Lewis Ryan. Hello. Hey. Uh, today, we are gathered here to talk about the fifth and final season of HBO Max comedy... I think you could call it a cult comedy. In, <laughs> Dark comedy. Yes. Uh, a cult Show. comedy in more ways than one. Uh, Search Party. Um, for those of you who do not know, uh, Search Party has had kind of like an interesting history, I feel like, because it started out on TBS and then eventually it moved to HBO Max, where I feel like it gained like most of its um, viewership and kind of became, I would say, like a little bit of a cult hit. Um, and yeah, its final season was released this month, and it's 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 quite something. I, I guess to set the table a little bit, um, why don't we kind of talk about before we dive into the final season what our relationships were like with the show beforehand? Lars and I, Lars, I know you and I started watching it like last year. Um, and Lewis, you like binged it all like in preparation for the final season, right? I, I binged it all in preparation for maybe doing a podcast oh. episode <laughs> to talk about it. Because Lars had mentioned it twice. He, he said when I asked him that it wasn't even really a recommendation. It was just like, hey, have you seen this show? Mm-hmm. I was like, no. I, I'd heard of it. I remember when it came out. I remember commercials for it. Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, maybe he's in a show yeah. where she's uh, looking for somebody. And I was like, okay, how's that going to work? Yeah. So I was I, I was surprised when I kept hearing about like, oh, it has another season, another season. It's like fifth season just came out. I'm like, oh, did they did they find the person they were looking for? <laughs> and I was like, is that a funny idea for a show? Um, so yeah, I started I started watching it, and I watched all five seasons in relatively quick quick succession. Okay. You can watch like a, a season in a day. Yeah, I I had completely forgotten until I started watching the last season that they were half hour episodes, not hour long episodes. Um, well, the the first three seasons they're twenty three minute long. Yeah, because they were on TBS and the H, the season three, even though it was on HBO Max, I guess it was made presumably for TBS mm-hmm. or something, and then they just put it on HBO Max. So those episodes are really watchable, and they really you know. Uh, go from story point to story point. Should we talk about like what we think of the first four seasons? Yeah, why well, yeah, season I season 5. So, and I'll introduce kind of like the concept of the show. So, Search Party um, it stars uh, it's, it centers around this um, quartet, if you will, of uh, Brooklyn-dwelling millennials played by Alia Shawcott, John Paul Reynolds, John Early and Meredith Hagner. And the first season begins um, with them finding out a college classmate of theirs has disappeared. And uh, the main character, Dory, played by Ali Shawcott, is just very bored and wants more out of life and kind of takes finding this woman, Chantal, up as her pet cause. Um, the first season, they try to track her down. We're just going to spoil everything, by the way. Uh, they track her down. They find her. Um, in the process, they also uh, commit what I think you would call justifiable homicide. <laughs> um Mike, how dare you? You're the worst person who's ever lived. <laughs> or, uh, I don't know. They kill a guy and try to cover that up. 
um, which leads to them trying to cover lots of other things up. Eventually, yeah. there's a whole huge um, media um, bonanza around the trial of Dory and um, John Paul Reynolds' character, who's... Drew. Uh, Drew. Yes. Drew Gardner. Drew Gardner. Um, and then the fourth season, Dory is kidnapped by an adoring fan and held hostage in the basement of his family's mansion um, while the rest of the group tries to move on with their lives. So what, what do we... I, I really... I, I would say I really enjoyed the first three seasons. The fourth season did not really... It wasn't... I didn't think it was terrible, but it just was not as... I, you know, I, I found the whole Dory being captive plot just kind of not that interesting. Um, I'm not a big Misery fan, so I'm not a big Whoa. season four fan. <laughs> like Misery in general, or Misery the Kathy Bates M- movie. M- misery the Kathy Bates movie. Yeah, it was very much. I, that's a great <laughs> yeah. movie. It takes place in your home state. <laughs> does it? It does. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Colorado. Hell, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think Stephen King just likes to set stuff in uh, Maine, Co- Colorado. <laughs> Oh yeah, well, the shining and misery, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, I my my feeling is that I actually think it's a very effective satire on millennials. It was funny because I started watching this like shortly after I moved to Brooklyn, and there's lots of recognizable Brooklyn locations in it, like Domino Park and the Williamsburg Savings Bank. Um, I, I live like literally blocks I, away from Domino Park. But yeah, I know they they walk by that park. I remember I was waiting there mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. They walk through there. I'm like, hey, I was there. Yeah. <laughs> under the bridge. I was like waiting for you to walk walk into the scene. Yeah, right. With like a bucket of popcorn. Well, it's funny. There was like a lot of filming going on like on my block. I do wonder if it was for that. But like where they were filming didn't really look like anything I recognized in the show. But outside of Domino Park. Anyway. Um, but I, I liked it. I thought it was good. I thought it was fun. Like I, I actually think my... my my favorite performance for the first four seasons is actually John Paul Reynolds as Drew. Like, I find Agreed. His, his sort of, like, whiny, like, childish, like, um, understatement of things just, like, very funny. Um, even though I think John Early has, like, a more, like, kind of, like, a bigger presence. It is also very funny. Um, but, yeah. it It's funny. So I started watching this show because Mike had just started watching it. He was like, you got to check it out. So I checked it out, and I started watching this at the same time I started watching Girls, which is also about, like, (laughs) a group of people in New York. Um, And they they go off in very different directions. (laughs) But um, I, I, I think I agree with you overall, Mike. I think the first three seasons, I was really into it. The fourth season, it got there. I think I liked the end more than the beginning um but i like loved the first season the first season was was just great even the episodes that were weird like fit like that whole like cult episode that ends up kind of being like a red herring Mm -hmm. um it was like very exciting and i I feel like the show kind of lost that as it went on and then uh yeah season four was i'd say it was the low point of the show but it is not anymore (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's funny that you Mike brings up season four. W- was it Mike? He was just like, I'm not a big fan of. Some Lars said it was not a big fan of Misery. Yeah, because yeah. that's how I felt about the show starting from season two. <laughs> Is that um, if you if either of you have seen the the Michael Hanukkah movie Funny Games, where it's just basically a family on sort of a vacation and like 
the country and then home invaders break into their home and sort of, you know, torture them for like the entirety of the movie. Search Party was like a three season extension <laughs> of that where it's just like you're watching people like slowly lose control of their lives for like three seasons where um, I, I don't even know if you could say this was like a dark comedy anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. dark. Yeah. I had yeah. never seen a, a TV show that was like had like done this sort of structure before so i found it incredibly fascinating <laughs> to watch um yeah so i think i i do i do like season one but like starting from season two through four it just became like really fascinating tv where it's like you're watching it like with hands over your eyes but mm-hmm. like you're peeking your eyes out through just to like see like what awful horrible things happen to all the characters um i did want to ask you mike because you brought it up everyone talks about like the satire of like millennials in the show Mm -hmm. and i didn't really like get any of that at all because like i can see how like the characters are like annoying Mm -hmm. but like also every character on the show is like annoying like all the adults yeah and stuff so it's like all the satire went over my head so if there's anything you could explain about how it's satirical i would I think the one that stands up most is Elliot's character, where he's just, like, a grifter who tries to do the least amount of work as possible, but still wants all the benefits of, like, being rich and famous, even though he has no reason to be rich or famous. And, like, because there's that one scene, I think, is it the... Like, which which season does he, like, get, like, uh, a contract to, like, write a book about his life? Season one? Season one. It's definitely not season one. It's one where, like, everyone finds out that he was faking he had cancer. I know. I want to say that happens halfway through season uh, one. I don't, I don't know. Point is, he gets a contract to write a book about his life, and, like, towards the end of that season, like, he has, like, a whole mental breakdown. Um, and, like, I know the idea is that, like, he has a mental breakdown because he's covering up this murder they committed, but I also think you could read it as, like, he also has a mental breakdown because he has to work for the first time in his life. And also, like, he, he goes to his agent, and he's like, yeah, I just don't want to work. And she's like, oh... <laughs> You know, that's like, you want to take some time? He's like, no, he's like, I don't want to work ever. And I'm never going to work again in my life. Um, and I think this idea of a shirking of responsibility, all of the characters try to rationalize what they did. They try to sort of like make themselves not responsible, run away from them. They all try to blame everybody else. And also I just think this idea of like unearned celebrity, like at some point, I mean, they get famous for being on a murder trial, but they also kind of become famous for being famous and just like there's a very like childlike attitude for a lot of them right i mean like um porsche's character like it just acts like a little girl throughout so much of the show i found and like chantal especially right like she's just she's so annoying and she's just like what was she oh i think she was <laughs> yes <laughs> um are you sure, Mike? Are you sure? Like, uh, like when the sort of like Oprah stand-in accidentally finds her diary, and she's like, "I have found the most eloquent five-year-old girl, and I can't wait to have her on her show." But it was actually written by like a thirty-year-old. Like, yeah. you know, uh, that that's that's how I picked up on a lot of it. And I I also found these sort of like the one line that really sticks with me, which isn't like a comedic moment, is when. Dory brings flies her parents out from New Mexico to appear in that like um, TV special, um, so they appear like a happy family. And her parents are like, "You never talk to us. You never call. What, like, what's going on?" And she's like, "She's like, you people are sad." She's like, "I can't imagine like 
living in Albuquerque and raving about how good the shrimp cocktail is at the mall's bar and grill. Like, that is, like, sad to me, and I want to, like, avoid it as much as possible. Like, I feel like that's a very millennial idea. I get that. Like, striving for the art. Albuquerque is cool, but I I get that. (laughs) And I do, too. It's, like, striving for the, like, artisanal or or the bespoke but not really earning it or, or sort of like um, wanting to do any work to get that. It just, each, each of the, each of our protagonists just hits on such a millennial trope. I kind of think the entire point of the series is this criticism or mockery, somewhat like self-referentially, like mockery of millennials. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, you hit on like the whole Instagram generation in a mm-hmm. in a season. You hit on, you know, this kind of self entitled like, oh, I'm I'm like making a difference. And it's like no, you're actually like a problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's like all these things that like people hate about millennials, and that are mostly unfair. But like, if you take them to their extremes, that is every protagonist in this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that sets us up for season five. So at the end of season four, that, the season ends with an episode where it appears that Dory dies, but she actually wakes up at the end in the back of an ambulance. And this season begins um, with her being woken up, and she's sort of like seeing her life flash before her eyes. She has a vision of her funeral, and she feels enlightened, right? Um, and she contacts um, her, her three friends, who commit her to a mental institution? Um, Can we talk about that? Did any did it strike either of you as just weird? Because it felt like the characters just like became different people, and they're like, okay, let's just commit Dory to a mental institution. I I think it tracked in the sense that like they I feel like they definitely show a willingness in the fourth season to just kind of like want her out of their lives. <laughs> they yeah they've all kind of grown, whereas she hasn't they've cut she's changed they had they they've grown in the sense that they recognize her as a problem right but they they're also very much not grown in a lot of other areas in their characters right i mean the 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 through line of the show is basically everyone's relationship with dory who Mm -hmm. is like dory is bad Mm -hmm. and she thinks she's good but Mm -hmm. she's actually a terrible person and like a bad influence and most of the people around her aren't great either, but they have to like reconcile this with their friendship and mm-hmm. do they like her or not? Do they love her or not? Um, and that is like the only growth in the show is like their growth around Dory. Dory doesn't really grow, she just changes. If that makes sense. That's kind of how I see it. I, I feel like she grows in the sense that she, and this is not counting the fifth season where she does have a sort of seismic personality change. Um, but throughout the first four seasons, I feel like she changes in the sense that she becomes... I do think at some point she stops lying to herself about what she's doing. And she does kind of become like... Because the whole point is that, like, oh, I'm going to find... Like, the reason she's looking for Chantal the first season is not because she she's worried about Chantal and she wants her to be okay. She's doing it because she, she, she wants to find some sort of self-fulfillment from that quest, right? Um, it's totally selfish. And um, I think that eventually she kind of comes, she, 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 she comes to believe that the ends justify the means. She just wants to be sort of like happy and admired through any means necessary. Is her, which I mean, it sounds more like a devolution than an evolution, but I feel like that's, uh, 
yeah. that's where she ends up. Um, but anyway, so they commit her. Um, she eventually breaks out. She becomes sort of like a social media star dude where she's preaching this story of enlightenment. Um, she eventually challenges a, uh, like, billionaire, like a, like an Elon Musk-esque tycoon by the name of Tunnel Quinn, played by Jeff Goldblum, um, to a debate about enlightenment. And he says, you know what? I think we should partner and enlighten the masses. And they eventually decide that they're going to make a, they're going to try to turn enlightenment into a pill. And the way they're going to promote this is they're going to um, find a bunch of like Instagram slash TikTok influencers and put them all in essentially a hype house um, where they will, Dory kind of like basically creates a cult around this thing. Um, and do we, do we want to talk about how we felt leading up to this before the big reveal of what yeah, ends up happening? Well, I just feel like this the whole like the whole setup with the Jeff Goldblum and the non main character mm. influencers is just like it's already it feels like such a departure yeah. from everything yes. in the first four seasons. I felt like maybe um now that we're just talking about it, I feel like maybe if Dory had stayed in the mental institution, that would have at least felt similar mm-hmm. to what we had seen before if uh if you know repetitious a bit uh but yeah it's just a very it's such a strange setup to like like i said it i it just felt very quick when they're just like okay let's lock dory up in an asylum Mm -hmm. like from a writer's standpoint it was just like all right we did it um and then it's like and then immediately she breaks out and then all this other stuff happens Mm -hmm. that doesn't really make sense and then by the time you get to episode five you're just like ping-ponging between like what what is happening Mm -hmm. how is this similar to the show that i've been watching this whole week binging on hbo max um it just felt felt very strange um strange setup and um i didn't really get like jeff goldblum's whole deal on the show yeah i just assumed he was supposed to be like elon musk basically and they just, but yes. it's just it's a very strange setup because Dory's like famous because she's like a murderer, mm-hmm. and then it just it didn't feel like she's something that would happen, you know. But but that's what she's famous for, you know. It just it felt very strange. Like Isn't they're acting like, like Dory's right a celebrity. Well, I I don't know. I I feel like it. Um, and this is a person who I did not think committed murder, but I think of somebody like um, what's her name, Amanda Knox, right? Like, she's, she's still kind of a celebrity, even though what she's most famous for is being on trial for murder. Like, she has, like, a whole, like, she has, like, she has, an, she has her own podcast, you know? And I feel like that's kind of what she was, Dory was supposed to. I'm just saying it's a very strange setup. No, it is, it is, it is very weird. And I think to the extent that any of the previous four seasons were grounded, this definitely sort of, like, what, and it, it honestly felt kind of farcical, right? Yeah, well, this is... I didn't really, like I said, I didn't really think the first four seasons were like a dark comedy. I feel like season five is when the show actually became like a dark comedy. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Even though I think it kind of lost the humor in season four and never got it back. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. It, the first four seasons weren't really all that funny. <laughs> well, I thought the first three seasons were funny. Like, Drew would constantly crack me up. His exchange with like the border guard in season at the beginning of season two <laughs> it's like great he's <laughs> like what is up or something right like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah um yeah yeah and it like it was and i it was yes even though it was very different i was kind of accepting it on its own terms like 
even though it felt like it had kind of become like a mix of like I the the humor I felt became very kind of like 30 rock esque in some ways. Like there's a character named Doctor Baby, which feels like a very much like a 30 rock joke. Yeah. Um, well, but, all the jokes with Elliot's adopted son. Exactly. <laughs> that well, was like, yeah. what planet is this on? Well, now? and then uh, I felt I felt like I was watching a combination of like Thirty Rock and like Black Mirror because you had all these kind of weird sort of like speculative like near future science stuff going on, like with Elliot's son. He gets basically a designer baby from John Waters. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, it was very and which really builds up to nothing, which is I think kind of the. Um, most confounding part of that. But what I... I don't know. The one thing I'll say for the Free Street episodes is, like, I feel like there was this... a little bit of a sense... I saw a little bit of a pandemic metaphor to it, in the sense that there was... No. Really, Mike? No. No, 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 but not even towards the end. I think towards the beginning, where there were these people trying to pretend like things were normal when they clearly were not, right? Like, that, like, very, like, awkward dinner they have they all have together where like they just have like the mush that like elliot's husband cooks oh yeah um it was like oh yeah things are so great like nothing weird happening at all you know that's kind of uh the vibe i got and there was like i feel like and like when they're like dancing to like ellie's favorite song in the apartment they just broke into like there was i feel like there was something there of like trying to move on and pretend like everything's okay but then it obviously falls apart in like the last three episodes um which uh i guess we can just kind of get into so yeah um it turns out dory finds uh to discover that um this company which they call light l-y-t-e um is not actually making a pill for enlightenment um they're just kind of making like jelly beans and like just hoping that the hype grows for this product that eventually they can sell and make a killing even though they have absolutely nothing to sell um and she's like no i want to make this pill and the thing is she only came to enlightenment when she was dead for like you know what like 30 seconds or whatever and she's like we need a pill that will kill people and bring them back to life and mm-hmm. uh, one of her cult members is a guy named richie thinky who is like an Instagram uh, scientist and he devises a pill that does just, well, that seems to do that. They test it on a rat and the rat does come alive. Um, But it turns out what it actually does is turn people into zombies who then can bite other people and turn them into zombies. Mm -hmm. And what happens is, is, um, Long story short, basically all the cult members end up through a series of hijinks, eat this pill, they become zombies. Um, Doreen Drew distribute this pill. Um, yeah, well, it was actually very clever the way um, they think they're all taking the Enlightenment pill, but Elliot actually switched them yeah. out. So only one person got them, but then that person becomes a zombie, and then uh, all heck breaks loose when they all. When you get bit, you become infected with the zombie gene yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. And. Um, and, yeah, and and then they give it to all these people in Brooklyn, who then all become zombies and start biting everybody. And the 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 it basically just ends with, um, at the very least, the United States in this state of like, uh, the the population has been drastically reduced, and there are like safe zones and not safe zones, and everyone has to be tested to see if they're human or not. 
And um, that's kind of it, <laughs> in a sense. Well, it's ironic because at the end, Dory's yes. standing in front of a wall of missing posters. Mm-hmm. Of she's sort of it's the culmination of a series of events yes. from the beginning of the series where she's it's uh what's the word it's a negative loss or it's a net it's a net loss for mm-hmm. yes. people going missing yes um yeah so w- w- did you not like people turning into zombies mike i thought it was really dumb <laughs> i thought it really took the series in a, a very unnecessary direction and just kind of was like yeah, I thought it was really stupid. And, like, it, they clearly try to make it more of a pandemic metaphor at the end. I'm just like, yeah, I get it, dude. Like, this is, you're not saying anything insightful. This is just kind of what's happening. Um, I thought it was very stupid, actually. I, I think I liked it better than, like, the overall plot of, like, we're building a pill to have mm-hmm. enlightenment because it was, like, exciting at least. Mm-hmm. And it felt, felt more search party-ish mm-hmm. to have, like, a zombie invasion than just, like whatever the heck was going on with Tunnel Quinn and all these characters, like you said, Dr. Thinky. Yes. It's like, we don't know. I don't care about them. And that, and it's just, and it's like Drew, Elliot, and Portia have like very little to do. Mm-hmm. Overall, they have like their own stuff. But yeah, I mean, I, I liked, I liked for what it was, the zombie stuff. I, I, I like the idea that the penultimate episode of the show Search Party, if you had like watched from episode one, Way back in 2016, who would have thought the penultimate episode would be, like, Dawn of the Dead? Yeah. Where they're, like, running away from zombies and, like, go-karts and, yes. like, a Chuck yes. E. Cheese amusement park. With the, with the, the mafia-owned arcade, yes. Oh, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was an interesting little aside. Well, it, it, I mean, the way it did kind of fit with the, at least the themes of the show, it's, it's like, at the end, they don't really... The show is all about how these like four kind of terrible millennials like are causing problems and they are not taking any responsibility or don't even think they've done anything wrong and that's kind of how the show ends, right? Mm-hmm. Is it's like they have literally caused the zombie apocalypse uh but they like do not seem to acknowledge that fact. In yeah. fact, <laughs> I don't think they think they did at all. Um so I guess that's in line, but there's a better way to end on that through line i think yeah i i just felt like it was um like i because I, I i as i was watching I was like oh she's gonna she's gonna start a suicide cult and a bunch of people are gonna do like the like a jonestown thing like they're just gonna like drink <laughs> yeah, and i remember die. you predicting that to me like three days ago Mike. yeah <laughs> um and i i think I, I, I kind of thought that would have been, like, more effective in the sense that, like... Right. Because um, they use such ghoulish overkill, mm-hmm. <laughs> pun intended, um, to show these consequences that it ends up actually not seeming very consequential at all. It's like, if it were something like, oh, my God, all these people died and, like, their families are grieving and this is all Dory's fault. And, like, this would be a message about, like, hey, maybe we need to, like, question these types of people in our society and, like, not keep going along with, like, the... the delusional rantings of a madman or mad woman um there's you end the show on a lesson don't end it on a like well isn't this funny but uh, you know is that i but then i am i also when i'm saying that am i becoming the the person who was like 
upset the Sopranos ended the way it did, right? Am I the person who cheered on Tony Soprano as he did a bunch of terrible things, and now I want him to see his comeuppance in the end? And does that make me a hypocrite? Um, yes. Yeah, but I, I think your problems are more... aren't really so much with Search Party's final scene, right? Yeah, They're yeah, more with yeah. the entire last season as a whole, right? Yeah. You don't... You like the Soprano season six mm-hmm. as on a whole, presumably. I did, right? yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I like the last scene, by the way. But yeah, I mean, I... <laughs> yeah, the last shot itself is fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about the Sopranos, not Search Party. Oh, um, well, I was. No, I mean, both. remember, remember when Search Party cut to black at the end? Obviously, Dory got <laughs> shot in the back of the head by a members only jacket wearing guy that's true that's what it was meaning mike did you not get that <laughs> every time anything cuts to black it means somebody got killed that i mean that makes sense um but they, um they ended with tomorrow they, they didn't end it with don't stop believing though so i don't know what to think but well they ended it did they end it with the theme song i believe they did yes um that was a cool theme song yeah it was all right all right <laughs> I mind it. Um, what what did we like about, if anything, about this season? Though I, oh oh oh, Lewis, go ahead. <laughs> um, when I was saying like um, season five was like a dark comedy, mm. and it was like making me think of like uh, the idea of the show. Like before I watch it, like Search Party, it's like okay, they're investigating like you know a crime or whatnot, and it's going to be like a funny show on TBS or whatnot. And season one, I like had that, like Lars said, with like lots of red herrings, like the. Mm-hmm the aside with the the cult episode in season one and then and then in this season there's a there's an interesting plot line with uh the jesper society which i thought was like ooh, this is interesting like this is what i was expecting more from the show Mm -hmm. you know when i heard about like the premise and it's like i really liked that scene and just the idea of like oh the the jesper and like drew just like does not care Mm -hmm. about it at all um I thought that was really funny about, and you never learn what the Jesper is, and it doesn't come back in yeah. any way. Um, I, I like that part of the season. I thought Drew's yes. performance it was a little bit too much, like like an SNL sketch. The way he's just like, I don't care, yeah, and then he just leaves. But uh, I I like that part of the season. It, it felt like a Tim Robinson sketch or something. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes, I think that was also my favorite part of the season because i feel like drew didn't get a lot of attention this season and he kind of got that episode off on his own just to like be like angry but also shy it was good Mm -hmm. yeah i uh yeah that that was also i think a a funny scene clearly like supposed to be like a stephen king like it thing i felt like yes Um, and just like the fact that they like got like lou diamond phillips who's like not a nobody to be in this scene for like probably like they got Lots of known people. Yeah. Michael Ian Black, Scott Adsit, um, whoever that lady was. Yeah. I can't remember her name now. I don't either. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that was that was a good joke. Um, I, I didn't, like, hate Jeff Goldblum. I thought, like, his introduction was interesting. I mean, it lets them I felt make some critiques was- on American society. I thought just, I like, guess. it wasn't Jeff Goldblum's fault, but the character just felt, like, misguided. Like, the show, for what it's worth, I think Search Party has really great, like, stunt casting. Mm-hmm. Like, from yeah. Ron Livingston to Parker Posey mm-hmm. to Louie Anderson, rest in peace, mm-hmm. to Susan Sarandon in season four. And Jeff mm-hmm. Goldblum just, like, I just didn't get what his 
whole character's deal was and like why he even has a relationship with dory yeah. in the first place it seemed really weird it felt like he was kind of also playing himself a lot isn't he always i i don't know not um, when he's brundlefly <laughs> yeah not, not on the fly or jurassic park the only two movies i can think of right now that he's in but uh, <laughs> he, he certainly is playing himself in guardians of the galaxy that's true but he's Actually, he's not in that he's in thor gotcha yes, thor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thor Ragnarok. yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, that was a little strange also just wearing some of the ugliest clothes known to man the the costume design of the show got very strange as 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 it went on um I, well, but, it's like, like, you know. No, go ahead. I was going to say, it's like, like we were saying before, it's like season five, it's like, it's like science fiction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where it just feels like completely, mm-hmm. like I was expecting, because like based on the way season four ended, mm-hmm. like with the, the funeral episode, right now, I thought there was like at some point going to be revealed that like this was like another dimension mm-hmm. or whatnot. Like you were saying, like, like a Black Mirror thing. I thought that would have been somewhat of an interesting way to sort of tie it all together. But they, they didn't they didn't go down that route. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if they were ever gonna do a season six. Yeah. Like a lead into a season six. Yeah. Um I, I gotta say I did find uh, I thought Elliot was like very effectively used as kind of like broad comic relief. Um Yes. His, I think he was my favorite character this Like season. his whole thing where he where he went <laughs> undercover as one of the scientists named Doctor Carpet and like the fake wig and stuff. Um I thought was very funny um and when he finds out that like both portia and drew are sleeping with dory and his reaction is just like what am i hideous and then like even though he's gay is like i have to sleep with dory just so i'm not left out i thought was also very funny but yeah i'm, I'm the whole i think elliot was the show's greatest creation um for the for the most part i thought he was like the most original like the if you were to synthesize the where you're saying about the satire of the show into one mm-hmm. character i think elliot is the uh the centerpiece of that yeah and i feel like if if anybody's gonna like break out from the show it's it'll probably be john early um i know he had like a i think he had a stand-up career before this but um i know that he you know, he was in season two of i think you should leave and i, I could see him getting more work based off the show wasn't he in 30 rock <laughs> doesn't I, he play jenna maloney's son Oh, he does. I don't remember that at all. It, but according to Wikipedia, you're right. I'm sure all these people will have very successful careers, and looking up how old they are makes me feel very depressed. They're, they're like <laughs> about my life in mid-30s. John Reynolds is like... Oh, he's younger than I thought he was. He yeah, he, he's like hmm. 30. When the show started, he was like 24. Oh. It's like crazy. He looks... I mean, not like he doesn't look old, but he looks older. Um, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, all right. Um, do we have any, any anything else to add about Search Party season five? I feel like we've kind of gone in and out of it. But but anything else? The first three seasons are great, and if you really like it, stick it through through season five. If you <laughs> haven't seen it yet, I guess that's what I'd say. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like the first four seasons are really fascinating, fascinating to watch. Uh, like Lars said, it's very similar to Girls. Uh, if I had to pick between, well, I mean, you know, it, it, it's obviously different. In the first seconds, maybe, yeah. <laughs> what? In the first like seconds of the first season, it's very similar to Girls, but okay. 
You, I mean, you invited the comparison. No, I didn't. Bring I did. Girl. But for the point of making a contradiction, whatever. It's it's a very strict. Like uh, you know what I'm uh, like when the show started. I felt like when when I was watching season one, I was like, you know, it's so weird that this is like a show. Like it feels like it should be like an indie movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like about that about like every season about how it's like it tells a story with like a beginning, middle, and end. But it's like weird. That's like a TV show too, where it's like you know this wouldn't exist like you know, 10 years ago in 2006. It's just very, very strange television. Um, so on that level, I'd recommend it if you're uh, a fan. Like, if you're a fan of the more transgressive parts of uh, Twin Peaks Season 3, then there's a lot lot in Search Party that you'll you'll like. But uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend um, Season 5 so much. I would think, I would say Season 4 is actually like a perfect place to just stop watching um, the show. I... We'll give all of Search Party this. It is never not interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say Even so. when it's, like, not as good, it's still, like, what? Yeah. You're yeah. still watching. Exactly. You, you yeah. Wanna, you want to see how it ends. That's yeah. what I... Is, it's a very watchable show. Like, it's mm-hmm. probably the most... Like, one of the most bingeable shows I've ever seen, where it's, like... Especially the, the earlier, shorter episodes. They're very... And it, it feels like you're actually making progress with uh, the way it tells a whole story in 23 minutes and stuff mm-hmm. so it feels very like you can just like you can inhale a whole bunch of episodes just mm-hmm. like that yeah also just like weird to me that this start out on like tbs like <laughs> it just seems yes. like a very odd thing for them to uh pick up and run but uh, i guess on some level i'm yeah. glad they did because could I, you imagine watching this back to back with angie tribeca i mean <laughs> That'd be kind of, I feel like it'd be like whiplash almost. <laughs> Just, uh, that, that's a, a very, two very different types of humor. Um, but yeah, uh, so, so this has been it for the Pony Express. Um, I'm Mike Levito. You can find my work on the Post Rider. You can find me on Twitter at MLevito and on Letterboxd at Ameramike. I'm Lars Emerson. You can find me on Letterboxd at Lars Emerson. And I'm Lewis Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at the Lewis Ryan and through my articles on the Post Rider. All right. You can subscribe and listen to this podcast anywhere you can subscribe and listen to podcasts. And you can also subscribe and listen to our politics podcast, Politics, excuse me, Politics Express, an aptly titled show. And uh, yeah. Do I have to look up Politics Belch Express? Um, no, because <laughs> I'm going one? to edit that part out. But. Um, Leave it. Now in. he has to edit leave this part. No, I, 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 you turn to a bit, so now I have to yeah. leave it. Leave in. it in. Leave <laughs> it in. Uh, but uh, thanks again for listening, and uh, hope you tune in next time to the Pony Express.